What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of This Week in Lacrosse. I am talking about a big incident that kind of grinded my gears out of Pennsylvania, and you're not going to want to miss the end of this week's show because I'm laying out what we're going to do for the summer, and it's going to involve you guys quite a lot. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to This Week in Lacrosse. Before we actually start the show, I kind of want to make a very big call to action because, as most of you probably know, I am in the process of updating all the career records on laxrecords.com. This is a monumental job. It usually takes me a few weeks to kind of gather and get all the updates made, but you can help me make the job a lot easier. All you have to do is go to laxrecords.com, hit that little contact button, hit the submissions, and then you just let me know what you did for your high school lacrosse career. And then I take that information after I verify it and update it onto the site. So you could be one of the very, very state's all-time leaders and may not even know it. That's the job that I do, that's the job that I love, and hopefully you guys will help me out. All right, our big news item this week is something that actually kind of got me a little fired up. So last week, early last week, as many of you know, especially if you were on the East Coast, there was a huge wave of storms that just kind of ripped through the East Coast and caused a lot of delays, a lot of games that either get postponed because they hadn't started or suspended because they were already in some variation of the game already. So the game that got me fired up was actually Palmyra out of Pennsylvania. It was taken on Mount Lebanon. This is the first round of the PIAA playoffs, okay? So what ends up happening is it's 10 to 9, Mount Lebanon. There's about 9 minutes and 2 seconds left in the game when lightning strikes. Okay, no big deal. It's not super late. So the game gets delayed for 30 minutes. Another lightning strike hits, so it's another 30-minute delay. So now the game has been delayed an hour. Really not a big deal, considering I just went to the Illinois State Championship and it was delayed by more than two hours. So really not that big a deal for only a one-hour delay, right? Well, according to Pennsylvania rules... The game is actually official by the end of the third quarter, as long as a winner can be determined. That's kind of an important little nugget of information that is worth noting. Because what constitutes the ability to be able to determine a winner? I mean, yeah, Mount Lebanon was head 10-9, to 9, so they're the winner, right? Well, in this case, the officials, the game manager, and the tournament manager all decided that the game was over and that they were not going to suspend the game, they were just going to be named Mount Lebanon the champion and have them move into the second round of the playoffs. Now, I'm one of those people, under normal circumstances, if it was just a regular season game, fine. Really, regular season games, when you're talking about teams that are eventually going to make the playoffs, don't usually matter too much, but this is a PIAA playoff round, and Palmyra already had a league, a district championship under their belt, and they're really kind of moving on their way to possibly either making or winning a state championship game. They had actually just come off a win over last year's defending state champion, Mannheim Township. Because what really gets me is it's one of those things, it's just not the spirit of what the playoffs are supposed to be. I get it. The rules, by the rule book, they made the right call or they made a call that was legal. I don't want to say the right call because in my opinion, I think it's the wrong call. What I think they should have done is delayed the game or suspended the game and picked it up on another day. Picked it up the day after, two days later, whatever they needed to do. I mean, New Jersey actually delayed their tournament of champions after like a couple days after all the delays with their state championship games that same exact week. So it can be done, but in this case, there was no spirit of the game. Like I said, everybody walked off the field and Palmyra was just kind of left there scratching their heads. Really nothing they could have done. They had man up 
It was 10 to 9, nine minutes left in the game. Everybody here watching this knows that a one goal game with nine minutes to go really doesn't mean a whole lot. That game was going to go down to the wire. It was already one of those back and forth games where, you know, one team would score and the other team would score. Two very evenly matched teams. So it's really a shame that Palmyra didn't get a chance to see if they could have won. I don't want to take anything away from Mount Lebanon because they very well could have just gone on and won that game and it would not have mattered. But it's just one of those things you're just kind of left scratching your head and being like, well, what if? I had the chance to talk with Palmyra head coach Dave Andruzic about this situation, and I gotta give him total credit. He was much more calm and I think reserved than I was. He had had a few days to kind of let it sink in and realize what had happened, but he was a true sportsman and a true coach, using this moment as a teachable moment for his players, and he had nine seniors on this team, and that was they're going to be their last high school game. Just really not the way you want to go out. At least with a loss, there's closure, you know, but in this situation, they didn't have any of that. So we're going to get to some of the interview with Coach Andruzic right now. At an hour, the game manager and the officials brought the two coaches together and said, well, uh, there's supposed to be more lightning going on, so we're going to call the game. Yeah. And at that point, we were like, you know, obviously we were upset about it. You know, Mount Lebanon wasn't as upset because they were ahead. But, uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, we kept arguing the point that, you know, wait a minute. It, you know, can't we wait it out? And they, they just didn't want to do that. Uh, they mm -hmm. said, no, we're, you know, we've discussed it with the tournament director. You know, they're, they're going to go abide by our call here. And so we're going to take, you know, so it was after an hour. They said, well, we only have to wait an hour and a half. Oh, I, I don't know where that rule came into effect, but I've never seen that anywhere. But uh, yeah. you know, so we kept trying to get them to wait. And they said, no, it's, it's been an hour and it's, we only have to wait an hour and a half. Or we can't get it started. At that point, it was 930 at night. Right. You know, I mean, it's not like it was 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. It was 930. <clears throat> and, you know, they decided, well, nope, that's it. We're calling the game. Yeah. Referees walked off. Game manager walked off. And we're sitting there like, what just happened here? Yeah. And, you know, and there were other games that day that were postponed. There were games that, you know, uh, that had had delays in them. But, yeah. you know, and the, the sad part is, is the rule says that uh, after three quarters, if a winner can be determined, then they can call the game. Well, I mean, and I would tell you, they'd say, I understand if it had been eight nothing. Yeah. If it had been, you know, if it had been. 12-6 or whatever, if there had been a significant number of goals in between, I would have no problem. But it was a one-goal game, and we were man up. And the other part of this is, is that, it, you know, at, let's see, a half hour after the half hour they would have given us, all the rain stopped, lightning stopped, we would have had a window to complete the game. Oh, you mean so by like 10 o'clock? Yeah, by 10 o'clock we would have been. Well, at the latest it would have been 10.30 we would have been able to play the last nine minutes. What did, what did you even tell the players at that point? Uh, look, guys, you got to realize here, you know what, we don't base our whole season based off of one game. And I said, you know, we've got, you know, a, a, say a division championship, a league championship, a district championship under our belt. I said, you know, there's a lot that we have that we have accomplished. So, you know, let's look at it that way. And that's what we're going to do with, you know, the – our banquet tomorrow. I'm just going to bring out and you know the nine seniors that I got. We'll try and send them off with a as a happy campers, as they say. <laughs> now I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I was at the Illinois State Championship game where New Trier took on Warren. 
Now, the Illinois state playoff system this year, we'll say, has caused a little bit of friction among lacrosse fans here. This was one of the few years that Loyola and Nutrier had not met for the state championship game because the way the state association has kind of laid out is that Nutrier and Loyola Academy met in their section final. Now, you're probably asking yourself, if you have no idea what about Illinois is, why does this even matter? Well, it matters because these are by far the two most dominant teams in the state of Illinois over the past 20 years. These two teams have accounted for 25 championships since I've started tracking the state in 2005. I mean, that is sheer dominance. I don't think we're going to see, as far as a state goes, two teams more dominant at any one time over that period of time. Since 2006, there's only been two occasions where Nutria and Loyola Academy have not met for the state championship, not counting this year. This was mostly before it was pre-sanctioned. So this is really one of those instances where it kind of rubbed people the wrong way because a lot of people felt like by far Loyola Academy and Nutria are the two best teams in Illinois. And I think people just felt like it's one of those situations where meeting in the section final, yes, it does have a lot on the line because you go on to play in the state semis, but it just didn't have the same weight. And I think most people would have liked to see that game as a state championship. And I know a lot of people felt that was the true state championship game. But I don't want to take anything away from Warren, who also reached a state championship game, because I was really impressed with the team and, and its fans, because it was one of those situations, they ended up losing 16-4, to but the team and the fans were into that game literally until the final seconds, until that bell sounded. If I just showed you a highlight of that game and I showed you nothing but the fan reaction, I guarantee you would think that Warren was winning that game and won the state championship. So I think you gotta give a lot of credit and a big shout out to Warren and its fans. They really showed up. They really showed up to support their team and the team really kind of embraced the fact that, you know what, one game doesn't necessarily make your season. Just because you lose the state championship game doesn't mean the rest of your season is washed. You got there, you earned it, and congratulations. Also, you got to give a big congratulations to Nutrier for winning its 13th state championship overall, and head coach Tom Harala won his seventh. So two lucky numbers right there in one game. Sticking around in the Midwest for this week, I want to give a shout out to Dublin Kaufman senior Evan James. He not only scored five goals in the Shamrocks 13-8 win in the Division I state championship game over St. Xavier, but he also became the program's all-time leading scorer and joined the 300 club. His five goals and one assist gave him 301 points for his career, which puts him atop his program's all-time leading list and makes him one of Ohio's all-time leading scorers. There were really so many performances of standout performers in the playoffs because everybody is in the playoffs now that I can't even really recap them all here. A few highlights was CJ Kirst out of Del Barton. He scored six goals and two assists in Del Barton's 12-7 win over Don Bosco Prep in the New Jersey non-public a championship. Xavier Arline out of Shoreham Wading River in New York scored 13 points in two games to help lead his team to the Long Island Class C Championship, which that game moved them on to the state semifinals. He accounted for eight of Shoreham's 14 goals in the 14-13 win over Mount Sinai, which was probably the favorite because I think at that point they were still sporting an undefeated record, so I'm pretty sure they were probably on most people's list to actually make the Class C Championship game out of New York this year. But Shore Waiting River had different plans. So that's going to do it for this week's show. One thing I do want to get back to is the plays of the week. 
But what I'm thinking is because we're getting ready to finish up the high school lacrosse season and we're kind of moving into what I know you guys are getting really excited about, the summer recruiting trail. Maybe some of you aren't getting quite as excited, but we're moving into that period of time. So I know a lot of you guys are going to be out there recording your video. I'm sure your parents are going to be recording your video. So what I want to do this summer is basically showcase some of your guys' best plays. Who said best plays of the week has to be during a high school lacrosse game? So find me on Twitter or on Instagram. It's both at Lax Records. You can leave me a comment here if you put a game on YouTube. Just give me a link to your profile page. And I want to use your highlights and let everybody else see what you guys are up to this summer. So I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I'll see you again next week.